You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. You go wrong when you're on the right side. syndicated news talk leader right side radio phil williams here live in the right side studios local state national man we cover down on all the issues and like that dude just said we are solid conservative and just plain right well it is the tuesday after christmas we're in that weird sort of place where you're not sure if you're still supposed to be having your christmas tree up or whether you should, you know, just, you know, kind of move past it. No, I, I say celebrate, man, all week long. What do you think, Boomer? Oh, absolutely. Keep that <laughs> thing up. Enjoy it for at least one more week. Come on. I mean, it took that long to put the tree up. Why take it down that Oh, fast, I know. Right? It's just pretty. And you know what I always face is when I take my Christmas decorations down, my tree and stuff, I just feel empty in my house. <laughs> well, yeah, like your house feels naked all of a sudden. Right. Yes, absolutely. Uh, just uh, In the studio, we got our tree right behind me here. Uh, people can see it live if they're live streaming the show. That's but, right. Uh, so I'm just saying, tree's staying up this week. <laughs> I don't know. Y'all tell us, when do you take down the tree? Do you take it down at New Year's? Do you take it down on Christmas Day? You know, for that matter, there's always the argument, when do you put it up? I, uh-huh. uh, we're, we're of the mind that um, if Thanksgiving's over, the tree is up. And uh, Charlene usually has it up during Thanksgiving. We have we have thanks <laughs> thanksmas, thankmas or Chris Chris Thanksgiving. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I love it anyway. <laughs> all right, we got a full show, man. We got like ten pounds of stuff in a five pound bag. Uh, no callers today. It's going to be all me and the booms. So uh, Boomer, hit it. The Triple Dipper: Three stories you've got to know. That's right, the Triple Dipper, three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know as we run today's show. Number one, philanthropic freedom. What is that? Well, what I'm talking about there is we're the most giving country in the nation, in the world. I'm sorry, we're the most giving country in the world. And and the reality is there's always sort of an effort underway to stymie or change the way people are allowed to give. How about you get out of the way and just let benevolence, philanthropic endeavors be what they are. So philanthropic freedom, we're going to talk about that. Compare that to, by the way, uh, government intervention versus just charitable giving. Yeah, two different things there. Philanthropic freedom, number one on the Triple Dipper. Number two, got to do it. Got to do it. Because so much stuff came in over the weekend as Boomer and I had a couple of days off to be with family. Uh, We're going to play Adventures in Woke World as number two on the Triple Dipper. I got stuff that's going to make you roll your eyes. Some's going to make you want to throw something at the radio. Others are going to make you just feel hurtful. Um, yeah, adventures in woke world. We'll cover down on some of the wokest stuff in the news. And then number three, the swamp watch. I'm calling it the swamp watch because, you know, it's amazing how much stuff kind of slides in off cycle. You know, half the media is on vacation like everybody else, and government goes, hey, Slip that thing in on a Friday night before the Christmas weekend and hope nobody looks. So, yeah, we'll talk about things that are happening in the swamp up in D.C. That's number three on the Triple Dipper. Um, But let me tell you, man, so in a minute I'm going to go into a story that inspired me uh, this morning. And And I look at it and think, God, you know, truth be told, there's complainers and there's doers. Complainers and doers. And by the way, I've known some bitter people in my time, but very few people that I've known who were doers would refer to themselves as unfulfilled. 
There's something about getting up off your keister and getting your hands dirty that helps to create purpose, and purpose drives fulfillment, and fulfillment is worth more than gold. Now, it'd be just easy, and you know it, it'd be just easy to sit around and gripe. I've said all along, this show cannot just turn into a gripe session. Is there plenty to complain about? Sure. But it's one thing to discuss a statement of fact and express concerns and then brainstorm about solutions. It's quite another to sit around and wallow in self-doubt and incrimination. People who do nothing but complain nearly always wind up being bitter and emphatic that those who don't share their complaints are just corrupt or working for the other side. Well, here's the bottom line. We can grope, moan, complain, and lure ourselves into the false narrative that inevitably forms in that kind of a vacuum. Or we can identify a problem, enlighten others as to a solution, and then do something about it. You see, complainers are those who sit in their bunkers and wring their hands about the enemy at the gates. Doers are the ones who face the same enemies, but they know how to identify their target and direct their fires in such a way as to impede their enemy's progress. It's really that simple. Also, by the way, let me be clear, I am not talking about false motivations or just doing for the sake of doing. I'm talking about finding something you care about and being determined to make it better. So you have to ask yourself, am I a complainer or am I a doer? And don't believe for a minute, by the way, it has to be something huge or something elaborate. Not at all. Case in point, just this morning, I ran across a story on AL.com while I was getting ready for the show. A small town that I'm very familiar with in northeast Alabama, the town of Ohatchee, is located in Calhoun County. It serves to mark the crossroads on Highway 77, about halfway between Rainbow City and Talladega. Well, this past weekend, the Ohatchee Police Department decided to run what they called Operation Holiday Spirit. You see, Ohatchee's chief of police, Alan Kelly, he wanted to cast a positive light for his department. Well, being a crossroads town on a rural highway, that means they, you know, most folks see Ohatchee police as a speed trap. Well, if you're traveling past the Jack's restaurant there in Ohatchee and you see blue lights flashing, it typically means, yep, there's been some kind of traffic violation. Well, Chief Kelly, he decided it was time to bring some awareness and to change the vibe. His goal was to bring the community closer to their local law enforcement with the goal being that if the police ever are ever needed in the future, that an actual relationship might facilitate better communication. So in Chief Kelly's words, here's a quote. It's not often we have the opportunity to bring good news. Most of our encounters stem from a violation of the law or speaking to a victim of crime. In those cases, he said, our contact is usually viewed as a negative contact. Well, so Chief Kelly decided he could get bitter about wrongful impressions of his officers, or he could do something about it. So complain or do, there you have it. So Operation Holiday Spirit came into being when the chief rallied up some local businesses to provide gift certificates. And then his men set up traffic points, and they began to pull people over for violations. Now, probable cause is required to pull someone over, so these were actual infractions. But the crazy thing is, the people who were actually pulled over for speeding or failure to signal or other minor, minor but findable offenses, they were instead handed a Christmas card from the department with a $10 to $25 gift certificate for groceries and food and other things, and they were simply asked to be more mindful and have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> I'm saying, one lady in the article said she was unsure how she was going to feed the family for Christmas, and she was overjoyed to get a gift certificate to the grocery store, and she went straight there to buy a ham. In wrapping up the article on AL.com, the reporter wrote this. Kelly said that having officers deliver good news is not only beneficial for the public, but for the officers as well. It really drives the Christmas spirit into all involved, Kelly said. It also encourages people to slow down and drive more carefully. It serves as a high deterrent for further crimes like theft and burglaries because during the two-week detail, two weeks of this, 
officers have a higher visibility than they would typically. Well, I'll tell you what, me talking again, that's creative. That's a doer. So congratulations to Chief Kelly and the officers of the Ohatchee PD, and many thanks to the businesses like the Ohatchee Discount Supermarket, the Jack's Restaurant, Taylor Automotive, Mikasita Mexican Restaurant, and Custom Pizza. And that's just cool. And y'all, here's the deal. Chief Kelly didn't change state laws. He didn't rewrite federal public policy. He didn't impact geopolitical politics. But he's one man in a small town, salt-of-the-earth rural Alabama. He decided he was concerned about a situation, and he was going to do something. He was going to be a doer. And now he's being talked about in statewide media, and I bet a bunch of you are smiling because of it. You see, complainers do not change society. It is the doers to whom history is the most favorable. And at times, the doing will be easy. Other times, the doing will stretch the very limits of who we are as a person. Ronald Reagan once said, my philosophy of life is that we make up our mind what we're going to make of our lives, and then we work hard toward that goal, and then we never lose. Somehow, we always win out. So let me end it like I started it. There's complainers and there's doers. I've known some bitter people in my time, but very few people that I've known who were doers would refer to themselves as being unfulfilled. There is something about getting up off your keister and getting your hands dirty that helps to create purpose. And purpose drives fulfillment. And fulfillment is worth more than gold. So complainer or doer, it's your call. That's a wrap for the Right Side Way. Yeah, it's a cool story. So Ohatchee's right down the road. Boomer and I know that place pretty well. Um, and yeah, it's a crossroads. It's just literally a place you pass through on the way to the next place. It's, and it's, it's just amazing to me to think that here they are just doing something worthwhile, just doing something good because they wanted to change the mindset, change the sentiment, and they did. And congrats to the chief of police and the officers of the Ohatchee Police Department. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. We are back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, I'll tell you right now, um, I already got one text in, so Paul from Athens says, take down the Christmas tree before New Year's. Dang, Paul, that's no fun. Anyway, I, I did have a friend, by the way, in high school, we always thought this was a little strange, mom kept the tree up year-round. It was like one of those houses where the front living room that no one went into unless it's a special occasion, so the tree just stayed up. Just stayed and, up there. And it's amazing how tired a Christmas tree can look when it's been up all year long. Like, <laughs> okay, it just looks like the old jaded house plant that no one watered. You know, it just like just stayed good. up. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. We tried that one time and just leaving keeping, it up. Well, we put it into <laughs> our room that we never used. Oh, okay. We left it up. We just kind of slid it into the room. Yeah. But, and then um, we got pregnant, and that room became my son's room, so I had to take it down anyway. So we tried. <laughs> Only once, and that was that's what happened. Oh, yeah. That's what you get. That's what I get. That's what you get. 
I don't know, man. I I, just, I I I like I love the Christmas trees, uh, and and Charlene decorates our house like just nobody's business. I mean, it's so awesome, and uh, and y'all decorate your house pretty well too. I've I've seen it. So oh, yeah, well y'all's beautiful. It's incredible. Well, it's all Charlene. That's her doings. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I I it's like. When she takes it down, it's like I, I, she usually does it like during the day or something. I'll come home from from work and walk in and go, "Oh man, oh this, oh, it that? just feels empty." What's that? But then I realize too. Guess who gets to tote the boxes up to the <laughs> attic? <laughs> oh. They're all there waiting yeah. for you. <laughs> I guess. Okay, honey. Can we do it tomorrow? No. Okay. But um, anyway, we and by the way, we just had uh, we just kind of had Christmas, man. I'm just just being transparent. Uh, so we we're we're in that new phase of life. Mm-hmm. Everybody's married, got their own household. They've got in laws. They got to also go see, and you know. And so, bottom line is, we just had our gathering last night. Hey, we did too. Did you really? Yeah, we did. What was y'all's excuse? Well, it's the same thing. We got everybody's coming in from different areas, so uh, we I got to have uh, uh, Christmas with uh, my in laws, so my my wife's parents and and that fa- side of the family on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and then after that we do Christmas here, you know, with my family. Well, ours so ours was, awesome. was ours was last night because uh, my son is uh, in the military, stationed way out of state, way way, way out, of state. out of state, as far away as you can be and still be in the same country, way out of state. <laughs> so they just got here like yesterday afternoon at four o'clock. Oh, so four o'clock. Um, yeah, so my grandkids got here at four o'clock. Oh, by the way, his parents too. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's all about the grandkids now. <laughs> I understand this. Like, hey, did you bring the? Like, I actually got to my parents' house yesterday late or early, and my mom walks in and goes, "Oh, you're the only one here." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, where's 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 my grandbabies?" That's exactly what it, it is. is. Exactly. It's what okay. It is. It's okay. I don't mind. I tell you what, though, this morning, uh, you could just like knock me down with a feather. I just 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 just. <laughs> Just literally. So uh, my little guy, grandson was up and Charlene had been talking to him. And she said, what was your, because last night we, you know, did gifts and things like that. What was your favorite thing last night? And he said, getting to see you and Cap. Because that's that's what he calls us, Cap and Sweetie. Getting to see you and Cap. Three years old. Three Three years years old. old. Got me wrapped around that finger. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. (laughs) It's just awesome. Yep, my pastor said one time, let's be honest, we had kids so we could have grandkids, and I get it. I do. The best parents make the, or, or the world's best parents make the best grandparents out here. Well, I get, you must have been the best parents then. Yeah, that's right. There you go. <laughs> uh, hey, we got plenty of stuff on the show for you today, too, by the way. Um, so this first section I'm going to do, Philanthropic Freedom, I got to tell you, um, we are indeed probably the most giving nation maybe in the history of the world. And, and I don't say that lightly. I'm not like, that's a loose canon comment. No, I mean, take a look at it. Studies show. I got some stuff here in a minute that I'll go into because you know I resource the show when I get ready. But, but the bottom line is this. Uh, charitable giving is a driving force in not just uh, the economy, but really in our culture. We're a very giving society. Uh, we're a society that, that believes in stepping out and doing something for others. And what we're getting more and more caught up in is the concept that government knows best and government doesn't know best. Government becomes that thing that gets in the way more often than not. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you too, Charlene and I have in the past being in full-time ministry and, and also really truthfully, uh, right side radio was also a 501 C three, but we, we have in the past, I can, I can just tell you literally made ends meet because of the charitable giving of others. I, I will never forget 
literally all those years ago in full-time youth ministry, not sure how things were going to come together at the end of a month, or not sure how we were going to do certain things at Christmas. And then I'll never forget this. I got a call one day, someone, and we hadn't been like, woe is me, putting our heart on our sleeve, nothing like that. Just just doing what we could to try and keep it going. And and literally got a call, a uh, secretary at the church said, uh, I think you need to stop by here. There's an envelope on the desk with your name on it. And somebody had just dropped off a gift anonymously and didn't want us to know who it was. And, and what it did, though, it did more than just pay our bills. It fueled something in Charlene and I to the point that we have said that if we are able to give, we want to give. It, 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 it created an appreciation in us for what it means for other people to, to have and to give we don't want to ever have and not give because we've seen it. We've been on the receiving end of somebody else's philanthropy. We've been on the receiving end of somebody else's generosity, their benevolence, their largesse, if you will. And so all I'm saying, folks, is we got to make sure that we don't allow government to impede the ability to give because, oh, government knows best. Government doesn't know best. Government has its uses. There is a true function of government that needs to be done, and I get that the national defense, public services, the, the, the establishment of first responders, paving the streets. Those are true government functions. Those are essential services of government. So don't ever mistake this show for being the one that's so libertarian in some way that, that I don't believe that government should ever be. No, I'm not an off-the-grid conspiracy theorist. No, I'm not. But what I am saying is this. Government does not know best when it comes to doing something good for your neighbor. Government does not know best when it comes to how best to direct what you have earned so that you can benefit something that you care about. And, and so, yeah, we're going to talk about it because I've seen a disturbing trend in literally the ability of government to try and insert itself into the possibility of someone else being charitable. Government should reward charity and then step out of the way. That's what should happen. That's the best thing that could happen. So we're going to talk about it. Call this section number one of the Triple Dipper, Philanthropic Freedom. And yeah, I'm telling you, Charlene and I, we have a different perspective from having spent those years in full-time ministry where it meant something to us for someone else to be generous. Can't do without it. And our society is better because of it. All right, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Coming right back, Philanthropic Freedom. Stay tuned. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama. Solid conservative, just plain right. I'm talking about this show goes way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back over to Gaston, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi. All thrown in just for good measure. Um, hey, I, by the way, the text lines are open. 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. And if you ever forget that number, it's on our website, right at the very top of the page, uh, at rightsideradio.org. Make sure you do the .org, rightsideradio.org. Um, got some texts already. Uh, Allie from Athens is responding to the idea of philanthropic freedom. What a concept, she says. Uh, Missy from Falkville says, yay, a live show. I've been listening to reruns from the host for the last few days. So happy y'all are back. And I said, thanks, Missy. I had to see those grandbabies. But, yeah, we did have a couple of days off. So uh, thank you to your, for your patience. And uh, we are back live in the right side of the studios. Uh, Paul from Athens again. Uh, he, he had told me to take the tree down before New Year's, but then he chimed in on what Boomer and I were talking about. He says, I had a friend that left it up year-round, just decorated it for every holiday, the Halloween tree, the Valentine's tree, the Fourth of July tree. <laughs> now, that's fun. <laughs> now, that's by the way, that's uh, now Charlene's does stuff like that. Like like we have, and it's a live thing growing on our, our back porch, and it gets decorated. And, and so it's got, right now it's got red Christmas balls on it with lights, and, and then Valentine's, it'll have red hearts, and then, yep. That's a thing. It's a thing. That's a thing, man. Um, all right. So all that to say, the text lines are indeed open, 833-687-4448. By the way, boom shakalaka, did you know that Huntsville got shut down yesterday, today? Whoa. I'm looking out the window. It's beautiful. It's, it's really pretty here. We actually here. have the window open. Yes. I'm, I'm burning up. Because <laughs> we're very hot in here. It's it's like <laughs> steamy hot in the in the studio, all the hot air, I guess. But... Um, but it's like what forty something degrees out there. Yeah, they shut down the arsenal. Wow! Um, but they had snow and ice in Huntsville. I understand. So, and I don't know how Decatur uh, wound up, but I think Decatur. I think a lot of snow and ice in the northern northern parts of the state. Wow! Oh. Uh, but yeah, anyway. not here. Not here. Not here. Not here. <laughs> no, we didn't. Anyway, all right. So yeah, uh, all you folks at the arsenal, uh, congratulations on getting an extra day of Christmas vacation. Um, all right, fee.org. I went to fee.org because they had a story that caught my attention. As I do this section on philanthropic freedom, all right, so what does it mean? Well, first of all, let's talk about how does government welfare stack up against private charity? And there's really no comparison. Now, the government puts a ton of money into fixing stuff. And, you know, the old saying, Ronald Reagan said it, I think, um, uh, some of the most dangerous words spoken in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Well, it doesn't always work out that way. But this article from fee.org came out in December of last year, so it's right out a year old. It says, it's that time of year again, the time when Americans consume more than ever, but also the time when Americans give more than ever. Indeed, it says, America's generosity as a whole is actually quite extensive, with Americans giving $471 billion in charitable giving in 2020, an all-time high. That was during the pandemic, by the way. That's more than what the vast majority of countries bring in for their own tax revenue. And think about it. When you, when you think about the fact that mostly individuals gave away more than what most countries take in for their GDP, that's significant. 80% of that $471 billion was from uh, individuals. So what would that mean? Right at about, yep, right at about $410 billion, I would say, ish. Um, 
All right, so bottom line is Americans in general, this article goes on to point out, are incredibly generous. 25% of Americans volunteer every year, and they convert that to a dollar value. It's like $179 billion worth of free work. Most of the charity comes from the rich, it does point out. Here we always talk about taxing the rich, make them pay their fair share. Well, 93% of households that make over $162,000 a year donate to charity. 91% of them, of those households that make over $125,000, donate to charity. That's, that's significant. And it points out, too, since the government started what they called the War on Poverty back 56 years ago, it spent $27 trillion, but it only had any effective impact the first seven years. That was 56 years, so 49 of them, the war on poverty, has literally produced next to nothing. In fact, it says, it points out that 93% of welfare recipients stay on welfare for at least two years. It's, it's, not, it's not doing its gig. Um, I'm not saying do away with it, I'm just saying... If you think that the government can end poverty, it's, it's likely not going to happen. Um, it goes on to point out in this article that raising half as much money from a voluntary private charity instead of forced taxation is estimated to produce by some studies the same impact as government, if not more. So in other words, half as much, twice as more. Um, twice as more. I like that. Uh, but the reality here is that when we see the government beginning to intervene, where charitable giving could have done it, it creates bureaucracy, it creates layers, it creates impediments. And one study indicated that when government is setting up, it's basically it's benevolence, if you will, that something like 70% of the money attributed to that welfare-producing government entity goes to the government entity itself. 30% goes to the actual people that need it. So all I'm saying is this. Government cannot do it near as well as private citizens. And so then you have to look at, okay, then if that's the case, then we definitely want to preserve what's happening with private charitable giving. And I'm saying all this because, you know, it just caught my attention this morning. I saw an audio clip, and I, and I, and I saw um, uh, the, the storyline developing in my mind. I'm looking at the fact that we've got a... a a government that at all times is trying to spend and spend and spend, and yet we know that government spend is never as effective as private charitable giving. First of all, there is no passion involved. If you think for a second that the vast majority of bureaucrats who work in the welfare distribution offices of government are passionate about their work, I guarantee you they're not. It's not their money. When you see government waste, oftentimes that's because, well, it's not my money. You know, hey, it's not my money. And I got some stuff on that later on we'll talk about during the Swamp Watch part of the uh, Triple Dipper. But listen, here's, here's some thoughts for you. When government steps in to do what private citizens could have done, it is often done with a detachment, with a lack of passion, and with an inability to be effective the same way it would have been had the charitable giving from the individual or from a foundation that cares about a cause had done. That's one of the reasons why I'm like, okay, like Green New Deal, and then you've got all these huge government subsidies to prop it up. Well, if you believe in it that impactfully, well, then just encourage charitable giving to some green energy, you know, foundation. You can, you can be more effective if you'll do that than by mandating that your tax dollars be consumed by giving government subsidies, and it winds up being wasteful. And this is just one example, just one.
But everybody in this listening audience has heard of government waste. And you know it happens. And if the biggest waster of funds is the U.S. government, for that matter, the state governments, why then would we believe that they are the best ones to handle what charitable giving could do on the side? So there's an organization called ALEC, A-L-E-C. ALEC is um, a very conservative, state-policy-oriented organization. They, they provide things like what we call model legislation. So if you're in the state legislature and you're, you're wondering, is there, a, is there some issue that I mean that could be impactful on, or maybe you've got an issue and you don't know how to write the bill, ALEC is one of those organizations that comes from a conservative viewpoint that will help determine and push for conservative public policy. And they'll provide things like model legislation from other states, and they'll give you trends and statistics and all those kind of things. ALEC, A-L-E-C. Um, so ALEC had a piece that came out just a couple years ago. And this is where I got the, uh, the title. Statement of Principles on Philanthropic Freedom. It says philanthropy rests upon the premise that both recipients and donors have the capacity for self-government and wise choices. What that's basically saying there is when you encourage charitable giving, you're actually encouraging people to, for self-determination. You're not encouraging them to be government recipients. You're not encouraging them to have the mindset of being on the dole, if you will. You're encouraging the giver, and the giver then has standards, and they're encouraging the recipient. This vital and diverse element of civil society should be honored, it says, as one of America's finest achievements. I agree. I mean, I totally agree. It's, a, it's evidence of people's capacity for individual initiative and self-governance. Totally agree. And it points out, it says, legislatures, meaning state legislatures, should not pass legislation that encroaches upon the freedom of philanthropic persons and entities, including foundations, donor-advised funds, and limited liability companies. Uh, and those are some terms, by the way, I'm going to jump into those so you'll know what they are. Because in a minute, we're going to go into a bill that was being put out in Congress that would have changed the way charitable giving is handled. And it could have had a dramatically negative impact. Luckily, it hasn't passed to my knowledge. I, I researched and I couldn't find any evidence that's passed um, uh, or is still alive for that matter. But in this piece from Alec, they talk about, like, for instance, if you've got your state legislature and you watch them putting bills together, and it has something to do with you know, charitable giving, take note. The last thing we want to see is a bureaucrat decide that, oh, I don't know, we're going to pull the 501c3 status of a church. Bad idea. What do you think is going to happen to that church's donations? Or how about this? Uh, we're going to wind up uh, mandating that your ability to give has to occur between certain months. Oh, okay. That's a bad idea. Uh, it, it stymies the ability of someone to give if they receive the opportunity to give later in the year outside that window. Or what about this? You've got uh, the ability to set some money aside for charitable giving, but you have to do it all at one time. Uh, how about this? No. The government doesn't need to wind up telling people the best way to give. The government needs to get out of the way and just simply honor the ability to give. All right, we're going to dive into this. Uh, Alec has... Statements of Principles on Philanthropic Freedom. And then we're going to talk about some things that Alabama did that I was proud to be a part of when I was in the legislature. And then we're going to talk about what they tried to do in Congress. Take me to a break, Brother Boomer. We'll do the break right now. We'll come right back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, number one on the Triple Dipper, Philanthropic Freedom. We'll be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama. Solid conservative, just plain right, and proud to still have my Christmas tree up, by golly. Um, yeah, so, just saying. Just, <laughs> that's where I am, by the way. Hey, uh, we're doing this first section of the Triple Dipper, philanthropic freedom, all right? So, um, yeah, at, and, and remember, I guess y'all can relate to this. Your family's got, uh, you know, spent a lot of time in full-time ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys also had that separate ministry to the Ukraine. Um, and every bit of that requires charitable giving. That's that's what that boils down to, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, that's that's what the, our one ministry just survives off of. And, and, and I think, truthfully, that... Um, that makes it better. You hear about a lot of charities now that won't even take government dollars because they feel like it comes with stringers. Mm. Like, uh, you know, um, well, you and I both uh, were, have been affiliated with uh, a Christian school here in North Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for a fact they don't want to take any federal dollars because they're afraid it will come down to, uh, yeah, once you're dependent on it, then, oh, by the way, we're going to tell you what you have to do. And and yep. so it winds up being a thing when the government gets involved in charitable giving. It can literally jimmy up the work. So you may have a foundation, a charity that is um, that is you know set up for a certain purpose, and then a grant comes from the government. Well, guess what? The grant comes with stringers. Every time the government wants to give, they try to tell you what to do. And and the and the truth is, when you've got a foundation or an individual for that matter that is already supportive in terms of a charitable means, it, it changes things. It's because they have a belief in you. Whereas the government just says, we believe you should do some things. The other one says, we believe in what you're doing. And um, I think that's worthy of note. Uh, so this piece I had from Alec, this piece I had from Alec I thought was pretty significant. So it, it literally lays out for state legislatures so if you, any of y'all that are in the state house, state senate, uh, tune in here. The 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 Alec uh, article literally says there are things that need to be done. There are fundamental principles they say of philanthropic freedom, and so there should be number one fairness, meaning don't favor certain types of charities over others. And I get it. I mean, I it, it, you know it's 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 very important that we not and we're not talking about like setting up a tax credit for something. We're talking about denying opportunities. Like, for instance, when the whole Lois Lerner thing with the IRS uh, went on back in the, uh, uh, what, what, 10, 12 years ago, that was literally the IRS deciding, well, you're conservative, so we're not going to let you play in our, our sandbox. That's wrong, all right? So transparency, fairness is an important one. Uh, economic viability. Uh, in other words, it says excessive tax on, or on, on a regulation of philanthropic entities necessarily harms the charities. So... It points out that when the government has the chance to get out of the way and not impede the economics of the charity, they should do so. Simplicity. Um, make it easier for people to give. Awesome. Transparency, again. Uh, that's basically, you know, you should be required to submit annual disclosure forms like, you know, in the federal side, you submit your 990s. Um, but but, but don't, don't create so many hurdles, though, that charities who survive off of charitable giving can't afford to even hire the CPA to get it all done. Um, predictability. Many foundations, it says, are formed in perpetuity to serve social needs and to build communities. And when creating organizations, it's important that donors know the changes in the laws will not weaken their original mission. So predictability. 
Don't go changing, don't move the goalposts on them. If they set up to do something under the laws you established, don't then change the, the rules or move the goalposts later. Don't do that. Privacy, uh, allow individuals to have the opportunity for private donations if they so choose. And that's important because there are a lot of people that, that know for a fact, especially in today's climate, if they're giving to a Christian or conservative cause, they're going to get doxxed. You know, they could wind up having somebody, you know, ping them or, or take issue with the, the, the very idea you wouldn't bake a cake for that, that group or you support that person or whatever. Independence. Don't, don't thwart their ability for independence. Well, one of the things that we did a few years ago that I thought was great, it encouraged charitable giving, and it literally um, also dealt with the issue of school choice. Is, is in 2013, we passed a thing called the Alabama Accountability Act, and the way that works is if your kid's in a failing school, well, they deserve an opportunity for something better. Being in a failing school just because of your zip code, that's just wrong. How do you get them out of that, though? It's expensive to go somewhere else. We're, we're, not, we're not at the point yet, apparently, where Alabama can just have open enrollment where you see the better school down the street and you go to it and the free market decides We'll get there eventually. My prayers will get there eventually. But, but one of the things that we did do was we said, you know what? If you're in the failing school category, if you're, if you're locked into a failing school because of your zip code, then we're going to allow people who give money to a scholarship-granting organization, they call them SGOs, we're going to allow for SGOs to exist. And if you give money to that, we'll give you a dollar-for-dollar tax credit. So you as an individual or a business can say, you know what, I'm going to support that SGO that gives money to families that want to move their kids from a failing school to go to a better school, and I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to give them $1,000. It's not a 50%, it's not a 20%, it's a 100% tax credit, dollar for dollar. And, and you are literally taking the opportunity there to change a kid's life because you believe in school choice, and the state opened up the door for it to happen. And we've got upwards of $30 million every year that can be attributed to this level of giving. It's just kind of cool. It's an opportunity for government to get out of the way and say, go you there for and make it happen. All right, listen, we're going to come right back and I'll wrap this segment up. I got some stuff here on what the Congress was thinking about doing. Holy cow. We'll talk about it when we get back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid conservative, and just plain right. Thank you. 
Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, hour number two, the local, the state, the national, all of the issues. And like the dude just said, solid conservative and just plain right. Hey, by the way, before I forget, if you um, find yourself getting outside of the overly broad range of our AMFM capability, just know this. You can go to our website, rightsideradio.org, on any device. Go to rightsideradio.org. And go to the live stream, all right? You can either watch it or listen to it live streaming through the Internet. And right now, we are actually streaming the show on our website with video. We're also streaming uh, on uh, what? YouTube? Uh, Instagram Facebook. and Facebook. And Facebook. Yep. Right. Just uh, click on the little search bar and type in a right side radio. We are multifaceted. That's right. Multi Multimedia <laughs> faceted. Uh, yeah. All right. So, yeah, just check it out. And I like to always say, you can do that. And no matter where you is, there we is. So, um, yeah, check it out. Rightsideradio.org. Live stream the show from anywheres. Uh, okay. Hey, I'm jumping back into this topic. going to wrap this thing up here. Philanthropic freedom. What is that? Well, what it basically is is the ability for you to earn and then give where your passions say to give. The hows and the wins. The idea that I'm trying to portray here is, number one, why it's so important, but number two, that, that literally government should be get out of the way. And that, number three, the private sector does it better than government at every single turn. And I don't care what your cause. I mean, there's going to be people out there that support things that I don't, I don't go for. I'm, I'm not an animal rights activist. I'm not a, I'm not a Save the Wheels and, and you know, Greenpeace activist. I'm, that, but you know what? They got their place, and if someone wants to earn their money and give to those causes, more power to them. That's legal. That's, that's, that's their gig, not mine. I mean, we're going to support things that are charitable, that are Christian and oriented. That's where Charlene and I are, that, that, that are conservative in nature. And so all that to say, if the government gets out of the way, it leaves the door open for more giving. When government begins to regulate giving, make it harder to give, it winds up impeding giving, and that wind up, by the way, um, sort of opening the door for government to say, oh, we'll take care of that for you from here, never works as well. Never, ever. Hey, Boomer, I got an audio clip. Um, let me know when you got that ready. It's uh, clip number one. Uh, you, you good right now? Man, you're fast. All right, so uh, there's a lady, uh, a CEO of an organization called the Philanthropy Roundtable, Elise Westhoff, uh, and she did an interview just in the last couple of days on Fox Business about this very topic. And she had a quote that I thought was worthy of note, so I'm going to go ahead and get Boomer to play it. Uh, go ahead and play it, Bo. Who are helping neighbors. In allowing generous donors to connect with causes near and dear to their hearts, what are your concerns about philanthropic freedom? Well, one of the, the key things that we fight for at the Philanthropy Roundtable is for the right of the donors to give how, when, and where they choose. It's really important to not restrict or to coerce giving because we know that leads to less charitable giving. And we want to see more money going out into the communities. So there is some legislation um, out there that concerns us right now that is really taking aim at philanthropists and trying to force them to give in certain ways. And we're trying to combat that by educating people on the importance of that flexibility, which encourages more charitable giving. What can you tell folks at home about your value? So the bill that she may well have been referring to came up in 2021, came up again in 2022. It has yet to pass. What bothers me is that it's still alive and kicking. 
So, um, independent from uh, independent senator from uh, what Maryland or Maine actually, uh, Angus King and Charles Grassley, Republican from Iowa, introduced a bill in 2021 for the first time called it was called the ACE Act, A C E, accelerating charitable efforts. Now, first of all, it it, it kills me how <laughs> they do this constantly. They name a bill like the Inflation Reduction Act, which has nothing to do with inflation. Nothing. And, that, and this is the accelerating charitable efforts. It's the limiting charitable efforts. It should have been the LCE Act, the Limiting Charitable Efforts Act. Well, it, the, here's the deal. The, the provisions of the bill would do just the opposite of what the title says. According to this article from Philanthropy Roundtable, the same organization from the uh, person who just quoted or just uh, spoke on that uh, last audio clip, um, they, 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 they lay it out for us pretty clearly. By passing this act, it would do nothing but harm the exact charitable organizations and communities that they portray themselves as trying to help. It goes on to say, instead of preserving the tradition that has allowed charitable giving to address some of our nation's most pressing challenges, the ACE Act would layer on additional mandates and regulations that would make it harder for Americans to support the causes of communities they care about. Here's what they were targeting. Two things. And there's a lot out there right now that... that it's, it's amazing with the level of benevolence from two, two, two major things, what they call foundations or family foundations very often, private or family foundations, and a thing called donor-advised funds, both of which are completely legal, both of which are doing amazing things around the nation right now. And here's the way they work. A private foundation is just as simple as, um, let's say, I know of one organization right now, I won't name it, but, the, but it was basically two brothers who formed a business uh, up north, and they did extremely well, uh, extremely well. And they decided to set aside a large chunk of their personal wealth, their personal wealth, into a foundation. That foundation has a board of directors. That foundation meets annually, and they review applications, and they give to charities that support the things that their charter says that they would support. This private foundation last year gave away $42 million, just last year. Just this year alone, they gave away $14 million in the last couple of weeks in their home city, just in their home city, to everything from the arts to civic projects to conservative causes. I'm just, I'm just saying, why would we try to impede that? Okay, here's the other one. Donor-advised funds. This drives liberals crazy, but they use it too. A donor-advised fund is basically an organization that itself is a 501c3 that you can give to. Let's say you, you come into a windfall and you decided, you know what, I've got $100,000 I didn't expect, and so I want to set aside 20000 of that. I'll get a tax credit for immediately setting it into my donor-advised fund, so I'm reducing my own tax liability. But then at the same time, since you're in that donor-advised fund, you can never touch it again. It's not yours to go back and get. It's not a bank account, not at all. It now has to go to the things that you believe it should go to that are 501c3 charitable organizations themselves. So you might look at it and go, okay, I just put, put $20,000 in there, $10,000, whatever the case may be, and then next week you realize you want to give part of that to your church for a building campaign. And then four months later, you look at it and go, I've still got $5,000 left. Um, you know what? That local ministry, that food bank, I'm going to support that. And so you give $1,000 to that. And then you find somebody who's got uh, a, special, a special need 
and the Salvation Army will help address it for you. So you decide to give the rest of it to the, and you basically what you've done is you didn't know where you wanted it to go yet, but you had it staged in a place where it could benefit both you and them. And then your donor advised fund is, is literally, by the way, sitting in a portfolio that may be earning interest and or making money on the market so that it's actually growing its capacity to give. Very cool. Some people use it for as small as, you know, their, their, their monthly tithe. Others put millions into them and then give it away over time. Donor advised funds and private foundations. This ACE Act in Congress would have done what it could to basically try to dismantle some of that. So despite the fact that even during the COVID pandemic, we gave away as a nation $471 billion, they're literally looking at trying to regulate how you give. So if you put it in a donor advised fund, well, you have to give it away all by a certain time. Why? Why? Well, we need to get that out into the community. It's not right for you to harbor it over a period of time. What if you've got a board of directors that's overseeing it? There's nothing wrong with it. You're filing all the necessary documents. You're, you're literally telling the IRS what you've been doing. Well, I don't know. I think you need to get it out there sooner. We don't trust you. That's what's happening. Alternatively, it says uh, they want to also look at uh, mandating that they have to give away a certain percentage every year. So it hampers, it says, charitable giving by prohibiting private foundations from contributing, uh, from counting their gifts towards a 5% payout rate. They, they, want, they want to basically say, you can't give to certain things or that won't count towards your minimum layout. Uh, so, so folks, I'm just, I'm just saying, they want you to give it away by a certain amount of time. Why? Because they're the government and they say so. They want to make sure, by the way, that you, um, you, you don't, you're not allowed to count certain things. Why? I don't know, because they're the government and they say so. They want to make it more difficult for people to set up donor-advised funds. Why? Because they want to tax you all up front, and they recognize that's a way for you to gain a shelter and still support charitable causes. Get the government out of the way, and we'll probably see giving go through the roof. Because the truth of the matter is this. The government will never be as charitable as the individual who sees a cause and wants to support it. Bam. There it is. All right, philanthropic freedom, there you go. How, can you imagine the government trying to get in the way of our ability just to give? Well, they'll do it. They'll, they'll find a way to get it one way or the other. No, don't let it happen. State and or federal, don't let it happen. Best thing that could happen right now, encourage people to give and then get out of the way. All right, Boomer, take us to a break, brother. We're going to wrap that one up. We're going to move to the next one, something that happens once in a while, averaging now about once a week. A vast cornucopia, a buffet, a plethora, if you will, of wokeness. Adventures in Woke World coming up next. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, saving the world 
one soundbite at a time. Hey, uh, we got some breaking news right now. I just looked up at both the screens uh, live here in the studio. Uh, time now, 3.23 p.m., and we're looking at breaking news. The Supreme Court has ruled that they will leave Title 42 in place for now. Uh, that's, that's big doings. So uh, I, I don't know if this, I mean, I don't know the status of this. What I'm understanding is uh, they were considering the merits of an uh, injunction um, uh, that would have removed um, uh, Title 42 as a deterrent at the border. If you're not familiar, Title 42 is a COVID-era policy that um, allowed us to turn people back, uh, especially from certain countries where we didn't believe there were, you know, proper measures in place uh, to, um, to sort of, you know, basically warrant allowing them into our country, like they could be carriers. Uh, we may not have a pandemic left, but we also knew, by the way, that removing Title 42 was about to be an epic, epic, epic bad decision. And that we were looking at upwards, as estimates were saying, we could have expected to see upwards of nine to 14,000 uh, migrants at the border every single day. Every single day. Um, so Supreme Court has now weighed in. I'll dissect that during the next break if I can. But Supreme Court is leaving Title 42 in place for now. And I can tell you right now, the Customs and Border Patrol and a lot of America are very glad. Uh, so there's that breaking news uh, right here on the show. Um, okay, we're going to get into one of my favorite segments. We do this. It's gotten to be where it's a weekly thing. Um, we call it Adventures in Woke World. This is, this is where I look around through the news and I keep saying, oh, my gosh, it's a woke story. Oh, look at that one. Wow. Next thing you know, I've got what I call a buffet of wokeness, a veritable plethora or cornucopia, if you will, a menagerie of wokeness. How many more euphemisms can I come up with, Boomer? I just... <laughs> Probably a few more. Hit, hit my sound effect. <laughs> Adventures in Woke World. <laughs> Boomer, mm -hmm. who would you imagine would have been the most stylish man of 2022? Oh. Most stylish man? Stylish man. Like, um, most stylish of 2022 as ranked by the New York Times, huh. who would you expect? <laughs> well, honestly, I don't. I don't really think about stylish men that often. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I mean, I'll just text my wife. Maybe she can text me back and let me know. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! I mean, <laughs> okay. All right. But uh, let me rephrase the question. Maybe just the Captain America guy. I don't know. Okay, never mind. They, <laughs> I, I'm I'm done with you. Away with you now. John Fetterman. Oh, John Fetterman. Fetterman. I would have said that. I should have said John. You Fetterman. would not have said John Fetterman. I mean, he's always in class. He's a class act with that hoodie. Dude, hoodie goes a long way. Hey, I I do like a nice hoodie. I mean, he ought to be doing commercials uh, and saying things like. You know, uh, I may not always drink my friends, but when I do, I drink. You know, you know he, he's that stylish, most interesting man. Anyway, New York Times has now ranked John Fetterman as one of the most stylish individuals of 2022. They have got to be. the man. Wait, looks, they really did. He looks like a hobo. He totally does. Wait, they really did that. I'm looking at it right now. There's actually stuff. I mean, this was not part of my segment. You, you Soon you're going to you're going to see everybody in the Senate wearing um, hoodies. 
you know? Because <laughs> it's stylish, apparently. Federer may get up there and say, it's hoodie day. And by the way, you don't have to speak coherently or use full sentences. <laughs> Just John Fetterman, New York Times, most stylish people of 2022. God help us, New York Times, please. The old gray lady is just getting so, so apparently the old gray lady, the New York Times, has gotten senile. That doesn't even, even know that what they're talking about. They are literally labeling the guy who looked like a homeless man um, on the campaign trail. Just just looking like a hobo. This out there, like the guy that comes up and spits on your window and rubs it with his sleeve and demands five dollars. It looks like that guy just rolled into the US Senate and he's the most stylish man of twenty twenty two. And you know, wow. Boomer, wow. you know, you know you care about that. You I, know d- you do. I do care about this. <laughs> because it's part of the breakdown of our society. <laughs> But that is considered the most stylish man of 2022. Uh, Paul from Athens has tweeted in and said, uh, I may not always wear hoodies, my friends, but when I do, it's Carhartt. So <laughs> there's a, a free ad for Carhartt. Well, at uh, least, you know, at least it's Fetterman and not the, oh, man, what was the guy that's, he's the trans that was oh, one of our. Rachel Levine? Yeah, that, that, that guy that stole the luggage. Oh, no, that's old uh, <laughs> Samuel Brenton. <laughs> yeah. At least it's not that guy. Samuel Brenton. <laughs> yes, uh, they left that one off, but I'm sure that now that they realize, because I'm sure they listen to the show, they're going to go, oh, dang, we should have said Samuel Brenton. Uh-huh. Because he had all the right fashion in all of his stolen luggage. <laughs> um, Glenn from Bluntsville just texted in and said it had to be Sean Connery. I just He said Sean Connery, and I'm assuming oh, he means, Connor. isn't Sean Connery dead? Oh, is Sean Connery? I don't know, but I, I admit, I admit. Sean Connery could be labeled as one of the most stylish. (laughs) And then JT from Lacey Springs said to add to my repertoire, a Mount St. Helens of woke. I like it. That was a good one. That is a good one. And Paul from Athens says a cacistocracy of wokeness. All right, we're taking a break. We're coming right back. We're diving in neck deep, y'all. Adventures in woke world. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right. We are back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right. This show, man, covers some ground. I'm talking about down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back over to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, thrown in just for good measure. 
We are in one of my favorite recurring segments, Adventures in Woke World. Boomer, I think we need the sound effect again. Play it. Adventures in Woke <laughs> World. You were reading my mind. I was, I was reading it. I was ready for it. You were ready for that. <laughs> I was. Hey, by the way, with regards to that previous conversation we had about uh, John Fetterman being named as one of the most stylish men of, 19, of, of, of 2022 yeah. uh, by the New York Times, uh, Caitlin from Madison uh-huh. uh, just uh, texted in. Uh, we were talking about, you know, whether or not Samuel Brenton should have been named. Oh, right, yeah, right. Far more stylish. Far, said, far said, more stylish. She said they wouldn't label Samuel as one of the most stylish men because he's a quote-unquote woman. Oh. However, and I said, <laughs> oh, yeah, but it just occurred to me, I think, I think the dude... Uh, known as Samuel Brenton to the world, uh, I think he identified as non-binary. Is that an entirely new t- subject? I mean, do we have to do we have to have an entire new category? <laughs> Maybe it's a whole new category. Maybe they just haven't said it yet. The binary, most 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 stylish, stylish binary. I don't know what I am today, person <laughs> of the year. Okay, there's that. Um, Mayan. Yeah. Uh, and and then by the way, we also had uh, Glenn from Bluntsville, who when I said stylish man said Sean Connery, and I said I'm not. Is he still alive? I said is he is he dead? He said if he is dead, he's still a better choice than Fetterman. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's good, awesome. <laughs> um, all right, uh, what else we got here? The text line before I move on to my topics. Um, well, there are many. I, I'm, I gotta I gotta find out what Donna's telling me. Donovan Coleman texted in says there's many different ways to decorate for Christmas without putting up an artificial or live tree. Poinsettias are very, I agree, Donna, they are. Uh, and there are, as long as there's no pets, because apparently they're bad for pets. And it says I decorate with Danbury mint ornaments and lights with mini nativity. I'm not sure what this, oh, and it, oh, okay. Well, Donna, thank you so much. That's very cool. I would love to see all this, by the way. Send a picture. I'd love to see the picture of decorating with the, uh, the ornaments and all. That's very cool. Uh, Ryan from Huntsville, though, chimed in on this topic. And said, the next New York Slimes, <laughs> I like the New York Slimes, that's good, will say that the greatest couple of the year is Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. <laughs> All right, let's jump in here. I got some stuff that's going to curl your hair, man. I got stuff that's going to make you roll your eyes. Something's going to make you laugh. Something's going to make you just frustrated want to throw something at the radio. Don't blame the messenger. Here we go. Adventures in Woke World. Hotair.com. Hotair.com is a story that came out December 24th. That'd be three days ago. School hides National Merit Awards for students to promote equity. Boomer, were you a National Merit finalist? Ooh, I was not. I was nowhere close. I was not in the running I didn't know that existed, to be honest with you. (laughs) I was like, National Merit? Uh, What's that? (laughs) Uh, I like to think that I have merit, but it's not on a national scale. Um, so yeah, but you know the deal. That's a big. It's a. It's a big. That's, that's a big doing. That's really big. All right. So and I, I, I've known quite a few kids that over the years that did get it, and and literally, it is something that you you have worked for. It is something that you have strived to achieve. It is a level of production as a as a K through twelve. I'm sorry, high school level student that is way above the norm. And if you've if you've been named as a national merit semifinalist or finalist. You, you're you're literally among the best. Oh yeah, ain't no ways around it. Oh yeah. Can you imagine if your school just didn't want to tell you? Wow, they just hid it from you. Like yeah, like um, you're the best one, but we don't want you to know because we have to be fair to all the ones that weren't the best ones who didn't score as high as you. Well, that doesn't make any sense, especially like it's woke world, dude. Yeah, but that's I mean that's just taking like something away from somebody that worked hard their 
their whole life up to that point. Well, thank you. Yeah. Located in Fairfax County, Virginia, Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology has long been ranked as one of the premier high schools in the nation. It's a magnet charter school that focuses on the sciences and STEM curricula, but for several years now, you would not have guessed it based on the school's record of students receiving National Merit Awards because none of the students reportedly received those honors. Mm. Except that's not true. They actually did receive them, but two administrators at Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology have been withholding notification of the awards from students. They did this reportedly as part of their equitable grading policy. This is the ma- this is this is participation trophies gone mad. This is literally removing reward from people who earned it, and and basically doing it because you just don't want to offend somebody who didn't earn it. People have got to learn to live or 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 fail. They've got to learn to thrive or survive. It just the idea. I don't know. Boomer's having him a fit over here. Yes, I totally agree. You're a parent. Yes. Your child gets up into high school years and earns the right to be, you know, a national merit semifinalist or finalist, and yet nobody tells you. What do you do? Well, I'd be throwing a fit. Oh, uh, more than yeah. Yeah. I'd be throwing something. Like, wh- how can they do that to these these students when there's other students that are in sports and they get an award? Okay. Does let, that make sense? I let, mean, let me ask you this: You were an athlete. Yes. You 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 headed off a of high school towards college athletics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would not have been recruited or even talked to had you not earned the right, right? Correct. Because you had a resume. You literally had a resume of high school athletics, right? Oh yeah. And you know what? Some of my coaches fought for me. There you go. So you have you. That's a great point. Yeah, but why aren't these teachers fighting for these students that are brilliant? We have an entire new segment here. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, here's the, the article points out from hotair.com. We're, we're going to spend the entire segment on this one article. The entire, <laughs> the, the entire situation boils down to this. They have a, what they call an equitable grading policy, except that here's the deal. This denies students the right to use those awards to boost their college admission prospects and to earn scholarships. Wow. It, it's literally a resume. It's the thing you put on there to say, not only did I score good on the ACT and get straight A's in school, Y'all, I was a national merit semifinalist or finalist. Here's my certificate. Oh man! They couldn't do that. There's no telling how many of these kids might have gone to Harvard instead of you know, Penn. I don't know what. But all right. I'm saying is, you know, you and I were excited to graduate. <laughs> yes, we were. <laughs> you you had a calling into athletics. You know, I, I wound up getting an army scholarship. But but the but the truth is, these kids earned something, and the school wouldn't even tell them. Well, one parent found out. An intrepid Thomas Jefferson parent uncovered the withholding of National Merit Awards. Since starting as a freshman at the school, her son had been studying statistical analysis, literature reviews, and college-level science late in the night every night. This workload was necessary to keep him up to speed. But it's not just a matter of some students not receiving the certificate. Those National Merit Awards look good on college applications, and her son was denied that opportunity. Mm. And she's taking action because, oh, by the way, she's an attorney. Get her done, lawyer yes. mom. That's what I'm saying. All right, moving on from that one. Wokeness, that's ridiculous. Oh. Paul from Athens has texted in, participation award? Yes, there it is. <laughs> uh, here's the next one. You may be, let's see which one do I want now. I'll do, I'll do this one next. By the way, where's Pete Booty Judge right now? Is he, <laughs> is he on a vacation again? That's what I was about to ask. <laughs> that's twice you read my mind today. This is getting a little scary. 
A little bit. All right, so where is Pete Booty Judge right now? Because we're having a transportation crisis. Like Southwest Airlines canceled 60% of their flights nationwide and said it might continue for days. Uh, the storms have jimmied things up to the point that, you know, people are like trapped in, in airports and can't get out. Um, but don't worry. Whereas the Department of Transportation's secretary, a cabinet-level position confirmed by the U.S. Senate, is nowhere to be seen right now. He is happy to report that literally $1.5 billion in grants to promote racial equity, environmental justice, and union jobs and transportation are now being implemented out of President Biden's $1 trillion Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. Well, now you have it. So, yep, article from justthenews.com wants us to make sure we remember that the DOT, the DOT, the Department of Transportation, the heck, the DOT is handing out $1.5 billion in grants for woke transportation projects. The historic investments the Biden administration is announcing today will help communities across the country modernize their transportation. After decades of underinvestment in America's infrastructure, we are supporting projects that help people and goods get where they need to go more safely, but they're not getting there more safely, efficiently, and affordably. They're all locked up in airports and trucks are jammed up on the sides of the road, but in the meantime, we're going to make sure we have sustainability and equity in the midst of our racial equity and environmental justice $1.5 billion taxpayer-fueled grants. There you go. Woke world. i tell you what, Boomer, I've got several more of these, and I've, I've got a lot more. There's a lot of wokeness <laughs> There's a lot on. of wokeness. Take me to a break, brother. Rather do it now about a minute early than to start this next one, because i got two in a row that follow each other. So I'm going to be right back with the cornucopia of wokeness. Bill Williams... Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, making it cool to be a conservative. Um, I cannot believe we're almost down to the end of hour number two. That's, oh, I know. That's freaky fast. That's Yeah, really fast. Okay. <laughs> um, all of y'all that got an extra day off because the weather was so bad yesterday that they had to shut down Redstone Arsenal and half of Huntsville, um, congratulations. I... Uh, <laughs> I'm looking out the window. I assume that there was uh, snow and ice somewhere, but not here. That's for sure. Allie from Athens texted in earlier and said it was dry as a bone where she is. And she's right up there in Athens. So it just may have been a pocket. But, I mean, I do know for a fact they were they were literally shutting down the parkway in Huntsville um, and, you know, and, and closing off major roads. And I could see where, like, in one of was governor's drives over the, over the mountain. Uh, that that's, that's If you've ever driven on that, that's scary enough in dry weather. Um, but uh, I, I had a friend, by the way, in high school. I went to high school in Huntsville who, who told me he was coming down in his old Jeep, coming down um, Governor's Drive over the mountain, and uh, his, his brakes went out. 
And he, he, just, he, just, he, started, he started downshifting like a mother and screaming all the way down. <laughs> uh, no, thank you. All right, we are in Adventures in Woke World. This one's going to go for a little bit longer. So, first of all, you'll be happy to know that Admiral, Admiral, there's a, there's a rank that was earned. Admiral Rachel Levine, formerly known as Richard, because Richard's actually a dude, just so you know. And I'm, I'm sure somewhere someone is going, you can't say that. She identifies as a female. She's a dude. All right. So there's that. Um, Fox News reports that the one who now calls himself Rachel Levine has been ripped for demanding censorship of, quote, misinformation on gender affirming care for kids. All right. So here's the deal. This is the dude who is in, basically one of the assistant secretaries for the Department of Health and Human Services who by virtue of his service now in the uniform professional health services, wears an admiral's rank and a uniform and is so proud to wear that skirt. Uh, he's transgender. And so you know where his sentiments are going to lie, but he is literally on record making statements, and this, the video just surfaced, but he was making statements on a Zoom meeting in May of this year. Um. Prominent Twitter users, it says from Fox News here, prominent Twitter users expressed horror that a government official was asking tech companies to censor content disputing that gender-affirming care for youth is a thing of, quote, positive value. During a May 27th Zoom address to the Federation of State Medical Boards in New Orleans, Dr. Levine spoke about the need for the government to, quote, address health misinformation directly and specified that includes encouraging big tech to combat health misinformation. Um, beyond COVID-19, it says. Levin claimed that the country is facing an onslaught of anti-LGBTQIA plus actions at the state levels across the United States, adding they are dangerous to the public health. Levine continued by saying the positive value of gender-affirming care for youth and adults is not in scientific or medical dispute. Really? Really? The official called for tech censorship to quell any dispute on the subject, adding, and we need to use our clinician's voice to collectively advocate for our tech companies to create a, quote, healthier, cleaner information environment. Basically just asking them to call upon tech to censor anybody who says that our version of fixing things, gender, quote, unquote, affirming care. By the way, you're not affirming their gender, you're 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 basically denying their gender. It's like saying that abortion is reproductive health. It's not. Um, so I did that article first because here we are in woke world where the dude who wears a dress and admiral's rank every day is encouraging the Federation of State Medical Boards to help him to get some censorship done on anyone who would oppose quote-unquote gender-affirming care for children Contrast that with the article out December 24th on the Daily Wire. Sweden's new pediatric treatment guidelines ditch gender-affirming medication for psychotherapy. I thought it was not in dispute, Admiral Levine. How, pray tell, how could he, she, it be so wrong? The Swedish National Board of Health and Welfare published new treatment guidelines for youth with gender dysphoria last week that explicitly instruct medical providers that psychosocial support should be the first line of treatment. 
The updated guidelines follow a 2021 policy change that jettisoned the use of puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones to create to treat gender dysphoric youth outside of a clinical research setting. Goes on to say, here's the quote, psychosocial support that helps the young person live with the body's pubertal development without medication needs to be the first option when choosing medical care or choosing care measures, I'm sorry. So apparently it is a dispute because the entire country of Sweden's medical uh, societies are saying, yeah, you know, that's their National Board of Health, by the way. We don't see that as being a viable means of treating gender dysphoria. It goes on to say that they've changed this because despite the West's preference for gender identity ideology, that it's not actually recognized by science um, and it isn't a documented psychiatric condition. Here's a quote. You ready for this? Here's an here's a entire quote filled with Scrabble words. Although the prevalence of detransition is still unknown, the knowledge that it occurs and that gender-confirming treatment may thus lead to a deteriorating of, of health and quality of life, i.e. harm, is important for the overall judgment and recommendation. What they're saying is this. We're seeing kids try to detransition later on, but we've ruined them by then. We're also seeing kids that literally are seeing a deteriorating quality of life. And we're also recognizing that making this judgment at an early age could lead to long-term effects that we can't even see. So why would we advocate for this? And it's like, first of all, I will say this. It's amazing to me that we're having to have this conversation. It's, it's amazing. Wokeness can be ridiculous at times. It can be silly at times. It can be funny at times. It can be dangerous at times. And when we, when we bow down to the gods of wokeness and allow them to mess with our children like this, allow them to ruin their lives in perpetuity and literally do quote-unquote gender-affirming care, which does nothing but deny their gender, then we have literally set those kids up for failure for the rest of their lives. Let them make that decision if they want to when they turn of the age of majority in whatever state they're in. Alabama would be 19 years old. Let them make that decision as an adult but to tell a five-year-old you're really a girl when you're a boy and then to, to do surgery. When you tell a 12-year-old little girl, it's okay, we can fix you, you automatically imply they were wrong to begin with. And I will add this to it. When you do that, you have just told society and that child, God makes mistakes. You hearing that? When you tell a child that they were not born right, you have just told them, God makes mistakes. Why would we do that to our kids? Why? All right, folks, I got more. I'll lighten it up a little bit when we come back. You're going to want to hear whether or not the money given by the U.S. government to study whether or not Thanos could really snap his fingers with a metal, metal, metal glove on. Was it well spent? Probably not. Adventures of Woke World. We'll be right back.
all you right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, hour number three, the local, the state, the national, covering down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Hey, going to the text lines. By the way, the text lines are open. You want to text in, we'll take it. 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. Uh, you can call that same number if you want to. You're welcome to it. Uh, Mike from Rainbow City texted in and said, with regards to some of the things we've been talking about here, we had the, the story about the National Merit Scholars not being told they were National Merit Scholars because it was not equitable for them to know and others not to receive it. Uh, Mike from Rainbow City said, so I'm guessing college scholarships are about to go away because of woke world. I don't know, Mike. I don't know. Uh, Jim from Madison says, where's uh, Pete Booty Judge? Not sure when he surfaces but he'll be telling us that minorities and people of color were hit the hardest by the current weather delays at the airport <laughs> and on the roads. I feel certain you're right. Um, hey, with regards, by the way, to the weather, I got a couple of y'all that text in to make sure that I knew that it was legit, and I'm seeing pictures. Uh, Tyler from Athens texted in and said, I work in Madison and live in Athens. Athens stayed completely clear and dry. Madison was impassable for a while, but clear now. Missy from Falkville sent in some pictures of cars just sliding off the road. And, yep, no fooling. That's uh, that's pretty legit. I mean, we're talking cars sideways and off on the side in the trees. Um, and then uh, I saw one, where was it? Uh, oh, shoot, I lost the text. Uh, JT from Lacey Springs says, Yesterday's weather event, Huntsville and Brindley Mountain, about 2.30, snow started. Upper 29 degrees snow fell onto the low 20s ground. Each passing vehicle packed that snow and immediately turned into thin ice layers. Uh, road crews were apparently caught off guard while traffic backups and incidents prevented treatment. All right, JT, I get it, man. Uh, I agree. It sounds like it was uh, pretty ugly, and it had it was kind of an isolated pocket. It was like in Huntsville or thereabouts or parts of Huntsville thereabouts, uh, but not all around the entire metro area. Uh, Paul from Athens uh, says... Um, a liberal, conservative, and a moderate walk into a bar. The bartender says, hi, Mr. McConnell. <laughs> I just, <laughs> that's good. That's good. He's both, he, I get it. Mr. McConnell is, is both, is, is all three, a liberal, conservative, and a moderate. Um, all right, back on Woke World. Uh, phones are ringing. I'll let Boomer grab the phone while I tell you this. You'll be happy to know that uh, Rand Paul has done his annual Festivus report. The Festivus Report. If you're not familiar with Festivus, it's the uh, fake holiday created by uh, one of the characters on Seinfeld. It was um, uh, the, the dad, played by Jerry Stiller. I mean, part of part of the 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 the, the Festivus was the annual airing of the grievances, and so Rand Paul now has his Festivus Report, where they air the grievances about budgets. 
and he exposed what he says was $482 billion in federal waste. The majority of that, by the way, is $475 billion spent just on the interest for our national debt. So in essence, that's $475 billion spent on nothing, literally nothing. But he points out that there was $140 million in there for COVID relief funds that were used to build an 11,000-square-foot spa. Wonderful. So good. $168 million given to the Vera Institute of Justice to help illegal aliens fight deportation. Let me make sure you heard that again. Grants of $168 million to help illegals fight the government giving them the grant. Yeah, you heard it right. Uh, we have uh, $500,000 to train mice to binge drink alcohol. $200,000 on a radio campaign telling drivers to stop at railroad crossings because no one else can figure that out unless you have $200,000 of taxpayer money spent to help you. $700,000 to study the romance of parrots. Boomer's laughing. This is serious business, Boomer. $700,000, parrots. I mean, $700,000, serious business. Uh, wow. I, they, they, they can give me $700,000, and I'll, I'll figure out a way to whatever, prove whatever they want. I'll take some pictures of those birds, yeah, <laughs> whatever this, they uh, need. <laughs> the, the parrots get very amorous when the sun goes. I don't know what you tell them. Um, 2.3, this is sad. I don't like this one. $2.3 million in a project to inject six-month-old beagle puppies with cocaine to see how they respond. Yeah, that's that's, but here is what it says is arguably the most ridiculous item. In Rand Paul's Festivus report, was a hundred and eighteen thousand dollars to study whether or not a metal replica of the fictional Marvel character Thanos could really snap his fingers. What the heck, man? A hundred eighteen. Do you know what we could do with that at Right Side Radio? Wow, hundred eighteen thousand dollars to decide whether or not a dude wearing metal gloves, could actually snap his fingers like they show in the movies. Just, just mad. I got a caller on the line? Yeah. Let yes. Me, <laughs> let me set this one aside because Ooh. I don't think we need to know anymore about where the money was spent. Uh, line one, hey, Sparky's on the line. Sparky from Harvest, how you doing, bud? Hey, happy post-Christmas and, and pre-New Year to you and Boomer. Thank you, sir. As you were reading that list, as you were reading that list, I, I, I swear to you, I, I, I heard Nero fiddling. As Rome is be, is about to burn, oh. it, 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 no more. I mean, going into a new year with hope for a, a better future for my grandkids and, and and the world, and to realize the institutional the institutional deep staters in Washington aren't even hiding anymore how much they run amok and how much they enjoy uh, fettering away our tax dollars. But anyway, well, there's that. hey, the weather. Yeah, I weather. talk about the weather. Yeah, I, I've said it before, but people out there in Radio Land, when you're walking through the the big box stores and home re, home home repair uh, places, I'm trying not to say the name of uh, the, the the big places, the orange one and the blue one. But <laughs> there's get there's there's generators. You can buy a 5,000 kW generator, keep ethanol-free gas in it, change the oil. Crank it once a month, change the oil twice a year, but you don't ever worry about a power failure. You never worry about a power failure. You just keep a generator at your house. You keep your cell phones charged, your refrigerator's humming. Pay a good local electrician 100 bucks to wire it straight to the house to where it powers the house, minus minus your central air. 
and and you're cooking. Don't don't buy stupid 79 inch big screen LCD TVs. Buy something that you're really going to need to power your slightly smaller TV. That's my advice. So New Year. so I will go ahead and join in on that and tell you that my um my son lives up north near the Canadian border, and literally just invested in a generator for that very reason because. In his words, it's like a third world grid up there, and um, and he he wanted to make sure that they were not. And they they literally had their power went off for five straight days in a cold snap earlier, nearly just because of a, a brief windstorm, and uh, he had to borrow a generator. He said, "Well, guess what I'm buying." So he bought his own um, for that very reason. Well, I got I got mine, and uh, I swear to you, four months before the supercell outbreak in 2011, my wife was against it. She said, "What are you doing?" That's another toy for you to putz around with. I get it. But, and then when the, when we were without power, when the F5 came through harvest, we were out power for a little over a week in my area. Uh, and it was a humming away, and all her stuff worked in her house. She went out there, and she kissed that generator on the gas cap once a day. She loved it so much. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Hey, Sparky, are you retired yet? Uh, this Friday is my last work week, and then uh, – on Saturday, I go on Social Security and become a burden to your government. <laughs> well, we're happy for you, brother. Well earned, and thank you for your service, man. Thank you for your service, good sir, and uh, Happy New Year if I don't talk to you. All right, we'll see you, man. Take care. That's awesome. That is awesome. That, we have the best audience in the world, dude. You know it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've got the best audience in the world. There's a reason why this show is successful, and it's not because of us sitting here pushing the right buttons and saying the right words. It's because y'all listen. That's why. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we're we're just uh, – <laughs> I love this audience. Uh, Boomer, I'll tell you what. That will take us to the break. I will come right back and finish up Adventures in Woke World. What did the federal judge say about San Francisco finally trying to clear out some of these homeless camps? Can they or can't they govern their own ground? Oh, well, it's Woke World, so you can only imagine the answer. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. We are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. Hey, text lines have been going boom here in the last little bit. Uh, By the way, Chris from Gadsden just texted in. um, He says, for equality, you should read a book. uh, You should read Harrison Bergeron by Kurt Vonnegut. I don't remember that one. Of course, I'm familiar with Vonnegut, but I don't remember that book. For equality, you should read Harrison Bergeron by Kurt Vonnegut. It's from 1961, but it begins with the phrase, quote, the year was 2081 and everyone was finally equal. Oh, wow. That's uh, scary. It's it's amazing how too many of those kind of um, predictive lines in books like 1984 and others are, are seemingly coming true. New texter on the line, Shane from Huntsville. Shane, welcome to the text line. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being a part of the audience. Uh, Mike from Rainbow City. Uh, said some great things about the show. Thank you, sir. We appreciate you. Um, Paul from Athens 
says, so Festivus, is that like Pelosi's Swanzaa? <laughs> I don't know if you heard this or not. Um, it was a moment. I mean, people say stuff, but you, you go, wow. But uh, she was trying to be politically correct. She's trying to be woke. And uh, uh, so Nancy Pelosi was making her final speech as Speaker of the House before they bailed out of um, uh, D.C., uh, you know, after voting on that $1.7 trillion monstrosity. And she said, and she wished everybody a Merry Christmas and a she was trying to say happy Kwanzaa, uh, but she said a happy Swanza. So uh, anyway, she was too, too busy trying to be woke. Um, Tony from Piedmont says there should be no she-male admirals or seals. Okay. Tony's registering his opinion. Tony from Piedmont. Um, uh, John from Huntsville just checked in. John, we were getting worried about you, bro. John says, I'm here, Phil. I thought I was going to blow my perfect texting record because the snow and ice really messed things up. How about that? It was legit in some areas. He says, by the way, ask Jeff from Indiana if uh, one of these abandoned trucks up here on Governor's Drive is his. There's about 10 abandoned vehicles on the side here. Wow. Um, and, and he also points out that we need to have <laughs> – okay, he's taking all of it put together now. He says, on New Year's Eve, you and Boomer need to have a giant maple bacon donut wrapped around a giant pole. And just before midnight, the giant donut begins to drop down the pole, reaches the bottom at midnight. We can all start chowing down on maple bacon donuts. <laughs> Love that. If you're not familiar, we have officially designated maple bacon donuts as the official food of Right Side Radio. There it maple is. Maple bacon donuts. It's just, mm. I mean, when you got maple and bacon and donuts all together, it's like a food group unto itself. We got meat, vegetables, fruits, starches, and maple bacon donuts. Golly, that's good. Um, uh, okay. All right. Listen, let me jump on some stuff here before I run out of time. So uh, Epoch Times has a story that came out today. Now, it, San Francisco has established itself as... Um, you know, Woke City, USA. And there's others, obviously. But San Francisco pretty much leads the charge most of the time. And San Francisco has become a haven for homelessness, lawlessness, and drug use. And, and, but, and you know, by the way, there's wonderful, beautiful places in San Francisco. There's great people in San Francisco. There's also a lot of mess. And um, so apparently San Francisco Mayor London Breed has just finally decided, hey, I think we better clean some stuff up. Homeless encampments were everywhere. It's an estimated 7,800 people, homeless people, in San Francisco. And a lot of them set up these tent sites along sidewalks, and they, they camp out in people's door, business doorways, and they defecate on the streets, and it, it's, just, it's just awful. Well, they're trying to clean some of that up. And guess what? A federal judge has temporarily banned San Francisco from cleaning its homeless encampments, saying the city violated its own policies by failing to offer others shelter. This is what happens. All right. Liberals put policies in place because it's a it's a woke posturing. They get up there in the city council meeting and they virtue signal how how special they are. We will we will have a policy in place, an official policy of the city council that we will have a policy in place that we will provide a shelter for anyone who needs it. Until you don't want them on your streets anymore. And then you try to violate your own policies. So you can't city council, you got to get engaged. So Mayor London Breed, you can't act without an executive, a purely executive order. You've got to work with this council who passed that freaking ridiculous uh, uh, local policy, local regulation, local um, 
uh, laws, basically, that say, hey, we will provide. No, no, you're not providing. So you can't kick them off the street unless you're going to offer them a place to sleep, unless your city council will actually get together and do its job and protect some people. All right, in an effort to remain bipartisan, and this one is not truly woke, it's just pitiful. But it, it kind of falls in line because it's, it's it's so New York Republican representative elect George Santos. He just won um, a seat in Congress, and he just admitted on Monday to lying during his campaign about his resume. And not a little bit, y'all. He's a Republican. I'm calling him out. So first of all, he's scheduled to represent a portion of Long Island in the House of Representatives, and he made a confession in an interview with the New York Post. And he insisted, by the way, that the lies that he told won't stop him from serving in Congress. <laughs> I mean, hey, his words, I am not a criminal. I am not a criminal. I'm not a criminal. This controversy will not deter me from having good legislative success. I will be effective. I will be good. <laughs> okay. I lied to get here, but I will be good from now on. Uh, things like um, he claimed that he had worked in his resume for uh, Goldman Sachs and Citigroup. He never worked for Goldman Sachs or Citigroup. He claimed that he was a college graduate. He's never gotten a degree. Uh, he also claimed that his family was Jewish and escaped the Ukraine uh, during World War II and thereby escaped the Holocaust. His family's from Brazil, by the way, and um, he was raised Catholic. Um, he said he was Catholic, but his grandmother told him stories when she was a child about being Jewish. So that counted for being Jewish. And then he also, by the way, has been accused of not being gay, even though he says he's openly gay because he was married to a woman until 2020. But now he says, he's no, I'm married to a gay man. So I guess he's had a conversion. Um, all said and done, this is pitiful. Absolutely pitiful. And uh, yeah, and, and, but, he, but he's going to be good now, Boomer. Just so you know. Oh, goody. Yeah, because, <laughs> you know, lie about a little, lie about a lot. Going down to Congress and you lied about who you are, what should we expect next? I'll Man. be good. That's literally his words. I will be good. That's what he said. I'll I will be effective. Be I will be good. Last one I got to close this out. <sighs> King County, Virginia goes to war with Christmas and Hanukkah. Their human resources department put out rules that say you cannot display anything holiday related in your workstation because somebody else may not believe in or participate in the same religious background as you. Oh, by the way, if you're doing a Zoom meeting from your home, we can't see those things in the background either. They literally are so hostile to it that it's perceived to be something that is not equitable because other people might not like it. Wow. How about this? Take a flying leap <laughs> or go work somewhere else. How about there's an idea? All right, we're coming right back. Swamp Watch. I got some stuff for you in number three of the Triple Dipper. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right. 
back phil williams right side radio solid conservative just plain right covering down on some ground across the northern part of our state i'm talking about this show is way down south of birmingham way up north of huntsville tuscaloosa back over to gadsden parts of georgia tennessee and mississippi thrown in just for good measure um hey i by the way we're going to move to number three on the triple dipper and uh if you want to text in you're welcome to it we got plenty of people texting um Number three of the Triple Dipper, I'm calling it Swamp Watch. Swamp Watch. So you're going to want to hear this, all right? Because the very first thing I've got, the Swamp Watch is, is us trying to keep a vigilant watch on what's happening in D.C. Because things happen, especially on a holiday weekend, when they hope nobody's paying attention, when things just kind of fly under the radar and half the media is on vacation too and the night crew is running the TV stations and, you know, and Boomer and I were on a break, you know, <laughs> God forbid. And stuff happens. Like, I don't know. How about this one? In the Swamp Watch, did anybody hear the major announcement that the vaccine mandate in the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, that the vaccine mandate was signed by President Biden and the Department of Defense has now dropped it? Hit me two sound effects in a row, Boomer. There it is. There it is. An explosion followed by applause. That's, that's kind of the way this thing should be received right now. I mean, for the love, we have just had, for the last, what, uh, how long has it been now? Almost three years? Almost three years. We have had our military just being, just jerked around. Well, I'll take it back. The mandate hasn't been in place for three years. COVID was here for three years. But the military vaccine mandate has ruined more careers, depressed the level of, uh, of, of, of recruiting, and provided a means by which the U.S. military has to get dragged into court left and right because it's denying religious accommodations, which are supposed to be reviewed by law on a case-by-case basis as doing blanket denials. Well, guess what? Epoch Times reports the U.S. Department of Defense This story, by the way, broke on December 24th. Oh, that'd be Christmas Eve when nobody was paying attention. The U.S. Department of Defense is halting all actions related to its COVID-19 vaccine mandate after President Joe Biden signed a bill. The fiscal 2023 National Defense Authorization Act that includes an end to the mandate, the department said on December 23rd. So right before everybody left for Christmas, they sort of slipped it out there. Yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. This should be, all right, I want to know this. Uh, in, in the Swamp Watch, I want to know, was there any mandate that they advise service members this has happened? Is there anything out there that says what they're going to do to those who may want their careers reinstated? Is there any effort on the part of recruiters to now be able to walk around and try to, you know, catch the young Joe and Jane who may or may want to serve in the military and discuss this openly? Is there anybody out there who's going to say, yeah, sorry about that? (laughs) Are they going to drop the lawsuits for that matter? They would have to, to me. I mean, now, I got to say, it's irritating. Now, now granted, the government's the one that lost, and we won, by the way. Boomer, hit my applause again. Hit the boom and the applause. How about that? 
We just won. We just won a major victory in the fight against government overreach. We just won a major victory as conservatives against the Biden administration. We just won a major victory for our men and women in uniform who are being denied the right to religious accommodation. And you're hearing nothing about it. Nothing at all. Epoch Times reports the NDAA requires that not later than 30 days after enactment, the Secretary of Defense shall rescind the mandate that members of the armed forces be vaccinated against COVID-19. As a result, the department will rescind the mandate and is currently in the process of developing further guidance. During this process, we are pausing all actions related to COVID-19 vaccine mandates. A Pentagon spokesperson told the Epoch Times in an email. That was not even a press release. That was an inquiry on the part of the press, one outlet in the press, to the DOD saying, hey, what you going to do? And they sent an email back. Is there a press release? Was there a press conference? Was there any effort on the part of the administration to say, and this is going to happen? No. Each military branch, it says in the article, has rejected the bulk of religious exemption requests and discharged some members who saw their request denied. Judges have blocked three of the branches from discharging such members, finding the military violated federal laws, including the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Uh, so, so Lawyer Phil wants to know right now, are the issues moot in all of the remaining lawsuits that are still out there? Are, are, are anybody else, is anybody else in federal service still being persecuted because of this? Uh, what's going to happen with first responders? Got a caller on the line, line one, Brian from Huntsville. Hey, Brian, how you doing today, man? Mighty fine. I hope you gentlemen are, too. Absolutely, and sir. Everyone. But uh, question, yeah. on Christmas Eve, they do this, yep. and they revoke, the, uh, revoke that, and there's a lot of people who lost careers, even if they get their careers back. Isn't this kind of like Christmas Eve? You go into your son's room, you steal a teddy bear, and then you wrap it in a present in, in wrapper and put it on the Christmas tree to where he gets it back the next day. <laughs> that's I've, a thought. I, by the way, I've never done that, Brian. I just want you to know that's never happened in my house, period. I, I would like to think you Never happened in mine either. <laughs> never will. But, but still, I, the thought was there. You have oh, a good one, sir. You too, bud. So you, no, he's right. I mean, this is like, uh, yeah, we're doing a good thing. You know, we're doing a good thing. No, you're not. You're doing what we forced you to do. You're, it's... No. Oh, oh, my gosh. Hey, listen, folks, let me jump over here real quick before we take the break and just tell you, Just Love Coffee Cafe, you got to check them out because, first of all, this is the weather for a huge cup of cappuccino in the morning. This is the time when you might want to stop in because it's that weird week in between holidays, short week, short week for many of you. And so let me just say, this is, this is the week when a lot of you get to wear jeans to work. Maybe some of you do anyway. Um, this is the week when you go in, and here's a way to be a hero. You walk in the door, half the crew there doesn't feel like working because they're fresh off of Christmas and they're almost to New Year's. It's like it, every day is camel day. So let me just say, Just Love Coffee Cafe with two locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. Amazing breakfast, great place to hang out. You can do your Zoom meetings from there on Wi-Fi if you want to but they've also got amazing food and coffees, and you can take a barista box full of Just Love Coffee Cafe to your coworkers and be the hero who brings in something freshly ground, steaming hot, better than what is in that nasty old mold-infested coffee pot down at the end of the hall in the break room. 
Just Love Coffee Cafe. They will square you away. The Barista Box. Tell them you heard about that on Right Side Radio. Two locations in our listening area, Just Love Coffee Cafe on Hughes Road in Madison and again on South Parkway in Huntsville. Tell them you heard about it on our Right Side. All right, Boomer, take us to a break just a couple of minutes early. We'll do that now, and I'll come back, and I'll hit a few more pieces of Swamp Watch. What else happened in D.C. that they just kind of did quietly and hoped you wouldn't notice? Oh, plenty, but I got a few of them. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. We are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama. Solid, conservative, just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. So we're in number three of the Triple Dipper, and I'm going to go to the phones in a minute, but I, knowing who's on the phone, I thought, i got to do this story first because I'm going to want to hear his comments on it. Number three of the Triple Dipper is Swap Watch, things that have happened in recent days that they just kind of hope you won't pay attention to or no one will notice because they threw it in there right at the holidays. Storyline from TheBlaze.com came out uh, yesterday. The Environmental Protection Agency, EPA, has announced that it will enforce tighter pollution regulations on trucks, vans, and buses. The stricter nitrogen dioxide emission standards could lead to higher operating costs for the entire trucking industries. Uh, The EPA's new regulations will impact vehicles manufactured after 2027, aiming to reduce nitrogen oxide emissions by 50%. By 2045. According to the EPA, it's the strongest ever national clean air standards to cut smog and soot forming emissions from heavy-duty trucks. They claim it's 80% stronger. When you do something and you say it's already 80% stronger the day you put it in effect, you know they've, like, jumped the shark here. Um, the EPA claims the restrictions will, reduce, will result in several benefits, including reducing 2,900 fewer premature deaths, 18,000 fewer cases of asthma in children, 3.1 million cases of asthma symptoms and allergic rhinitis symptoms, and $29 billion in annual net benefits. I have no idea how they calculate that or where they think they can attribute making it harder on the trucking industry. i tell you what it will do. It's going to make it more expensive for us to get milk and bread at the store. That's what it's going to do. Uh, somebody who knows the trucking industry quite well, Jeff from Indiana is on line one. Jeff Rowe, how you doing, man? Uh, happy after Christmas, Phil. Hope you got everything you could afford. Uh, <laughs> and then some. <laughs> uh, what do you think of that last story, man? The EPA just going to go regulate. The, by the way, they did say, Jeff, in the story, I forgot to read this part, the EPA admits this is designed to push the trucking industry to electric vehicles. It literally designed to do that. Uh, okay, well then, uh, I guess we're just going to you all just going to have to sit and, and wait for us. Uh, we're going to have horse and buggy carts, I guess, running the roads because uh, it's not going to happen. No. <laughs> they, there's not enough. There's not enough. You know, think about how much it takes to charge just a car now, and they can't do it in California. What's it going to take to ch- charge a vehicle that's 40 tons loaded? 
I mean, <laughs> forty tons loaded. And Jeff, what do you drive an average day? I mean, you drive a you drive a there and back route every day or most days. What, what what's your average uh, route? Six hundred miles round trip D- daily. Daily. Well, I mean, right now yeah. they can't get the average EV to go one hundred and fifty to two hundred miles, and they're talking about trying to get mm-hmm. you fully loaded six hundred miles a day. I I guess they're going to have to do like the uh, put the electric lines over the road or something, you know, where you got like the like the little rail cars and everything <laughs> come off the, uh, the. I guess they had old buses back in the day, you know, they had to yeah. run electric buses off a top grid like that. That's the only way I can see that's going to happen. So I, I just uh, it's, it's they're, madness. They're they're they uh, what this going to do here is uh, you know I guess they're going to put up a wall or something to block all the carbon emissions from China coming over here or something, or have they figured that out yet? Well, they, they can't build walls. You don't build walls on the border to stop anything. You know that. Oh, that's right. I'm just, uh, I'm thinking about becoming a Democrat anyway. <laughs> just if, if you can't beat them, just well join them, you know? Oh, my gosh. So are you telling me right now you identify as a Democrat, if that's what, that's what, it, that's what it takes? Well... Well, if I identify as, as a Democrat, I probably won't have the FBI showing up on my door with a, a SWAT agency. I, they'll just come and tell me I need to go with somebody. <laughs> oh, oh, Jeff. No, if brother. Republican, though, Don't do it, man. If you, if you go down, we all go down. Don't do it, man. We're there for you. But, but you, you know, you're talking about the, all the spending and everything, you know? Yeah. Uh, at this point here, I hope that we spend trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. Because if if you know you're going to go bankrupt, anyways, you might as well get the good end of the deal and just start printing money. And because and hopefully we'll get these other countries that's crazy enough to back us instead of the United States citizens doing it, so we can uh, put them under as well as us. So this and is like I the also suggest party like it's no tomorrow is what you're saying. Exactly, you might as well because it's it's happening, it's coming. And there's no stopping it the way we're going. Because uh, people just aren't smart enough to figure it out. I, I want, and, and I suggest that you uh, invest in, take your dollars and invest in uh, Chinese currency because while well, there's still the dollars worth a little something, because that's what's going to happen. I, you know what? You know, here, here's what I know. Now that I'm, I'm not taking anything you said seriously, but I want Happy Jeff back. You're supposed to be on vacation oh, resting know. up, man. I want Happy Jeff back. Where's, where's Happy Jeff? <laughs> Well, Jeff was Jeff was smart enough not to show up in Alabama, and any time it gets below below freezing, because I've seen Alabama snow plow. <laughs> That's there the is guys none in the back of a pickup shoveling sand. Man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, listen, man, stay in the fight, brother, and uh, and happy almost New Year to you. Oh, happy almost New Year's, you Phil. All right, we'll see you, buddy. Yeah. Uh, we got Jeff from Indiana, and we, by the way, we got racing from Hawaii now. Is uh, is on the uh, so uh, thank you so much for being a part of from Hawaii. I loved that. We had a call the other day live from Hawaii. Listen to us uh, on iHeartRadio, and glad of it. Um, hey, let me let me before I forget, I got to take care of the folks that take care of us. So ZLA Solutions, ZLA Solutions is epic good at getting people and jobs lined up. Now, they do a lot of business end solutions, all right? They can help you with things like logistics and warehousing and sorting and containment, or excuse me, yeah, sorting and containment and quality control, but their bread and butter man is staffing. So first of all, if you are looking for a job, just know this, you can go to their website, zlausa.com, 
Check it out. They've got jobs posted all over North Alabama. Big name employers. They're they're worth looking at because these are these are some of these are high paying jobs. But then they've also got, by the way, the ability to help you as an employer. If you are the employer looking to fill out the ranks of your workforce, then yeah, check them out. ZLA can help you if you have onesies and twosies with special niche skills or if you need a whole shift of people to work the line. It doesn't matter. Blue collar, white collar, no collar. It does not matter to them at all. They will help you with the recruiting, the background checks, the drug testing. I know these folks personally, by the way. These are friends of mine, and they are doing an amazing job, so much so that they are now broadening. They're, they're, They're way beyond our state boundaries. They're all over the place. ZLA Solutions. Check them out at ZLAUSA.com. And please tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. They've been getting some great feedback, by the way. Uh, Folks are telling them, I I, I hear about you on this radio show all the time. Glad of it. Uh, Last thing I got for you as we wrap up this, well, last couple things I got for you as we wrap up this section here on Swamp Watch. First of all, the swamp does not want you to know. Uh, By the way, I got to step back. Boomer, um, you heard it right here. Right Side Radio, 4.56 p.m. on December 27th, a Tuesday. I am, I am going to correct the record. I just looked up on the screen, and I saw Pete Booty Judge talking about the airlines issues right now. He was there. He was there. He was there. We he showed up him. for work. <laughs> he, he showed up for work. <laughs> I, I, you know, so he took two months of paternity leave during the supply chain crisis. He was gone to Portugal with his partner uh, during the... Uh, uh, the most recent uh, crisis we had on the near rail strike. But today... He showed up on CNN. CNN. Now, he could have been green screened in from his vacation. <laughs> we don't know this. But <laughs> <laughs> he was there on CNN talking. <laughs> and by the way, history dictates that may be true. <laughs> but I will say, he was commenting, and he was he was basically blaming the airlines, saying they will be held accountable. Mm. Okay. Mm. We'll see what that means. Either way... I, I will point out that Booty Judge showed up for work, so that's that's good. Uh, Brian from Huntsville just texted and said, uh, "Is it Happy Jeff back or Happy Jeff Beck?" No, that's a that's a rock guitarist. We're not on Jeff Beck. We're on getting Happy Jeff back. Um, by the way, Brian from Huntsville stepped up the game here. You know, maple bacon donuts, the official food of Right Side Radio. Yeah. You know, Brian's apparently quite the chef. He oh. said he said he thinks he can do maple bacon apple fritters. Oh, you would like that. And he says, I shall experiment. And I said, <laughs> whoop whoop. <laughs> In fact, what's tomorrow? Whoop whoop. Tomorrow's whoop whoop day. That's Camel right. day. Camel day tomorrow. <laughs> Already. Um, Man. Jim from Madison just says, beautiful sunset in North Alabama. Go outside and look west starting at five o'clock. You'll see Venus, Mercury, Saturn, Jupiter, and Mars are all in alignment. You are welcome. Whoa. Jim and Madison. Jim and Madison, thank, thank you, my you. friend. That's good stuff. And, and by the way, that's that's something that I, I miss. The sun goes down so fast now. One of my favorite things was to get off the show and beat it home so I could just sit out back on the deck with Charlene and watch the sun go down. We do that mm. quite often in the weather uh, permitting. But um, Now you and I can watch the sun go down from our window. It's not near as romantic. It's not really romantic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, com reports on uh, December 25th. Um, they don't want you to know it, but several more buses of migrants were left out in front of Vice President Kamala Harris's home in Washington, D.C. on Christmas Eve. Two initial busloads brought to shelters, an administration official told CNN. How about that? They came from Texas, 
Governor Greg Abbott saying, here you go, Vice President Harris, since you're the borders are. All right, folks, what an amazing show. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We got plenty more tomorrow. Y'all stay tuned. We'll see you then. side ruffians out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right